Welcome to Central Baptist Church. Thank you for listening. Our desire at Central is to keep Christ at the center of all we do by giving our lives to Him, living for Him, and leading others to Him. For more information, visit connecttocentral.com. That's connect, the number two, central.com. Today's message is from Pastor Michael Kirby. We hope you enjoy today's message. If you take your copy of Scripture and turn to the book of Job, Job chapter 16. In the last two weeks, we've been talking about restoring hope that God is the God of second chances. And we're all glad about that, aren't we? And we've been doing this because we're working on a new ministry that we're going to be starting called Celebrate Recovery. And it's a, a ministry that gives us an opportunity to come just as we are and for God to redeem us. That's really what we're celebrating is not recovery, it's redemption. That God has the power to step into our life and bring second chances and bring healing and bring restoration and bring transformation. And that's really where we are. That's what we're celebrating and that's what we want to see happen. But I, I, I've done counseling for a long time. In fact, it's one of the, the joys that I have in ministry is to be able to counsel people and to be able to be and watch God work in their life. And one of the things that I've seen in my life, and maybe you've seen in yours, is that sometimes we, we stay too long in our sin. We stay too long in our addictions. We stay too long in our brokenness. And there's a couple of reasons that it happens. There's a lot of reasons, but there's two that we're going to deal with today. I think the two main reasons that we stay miserable and we stay broken and we stay separated is that we have crummy counselors in our life and bad theology. If you know the story of Job, it's one of those stories that really scared me for a long time. I didn't like reading Job. Here you have a guy who's following God and he's trying to do his best to be a godly person and in one day he loses everything. Now, we say that a lot, I've lost everything, but he really did. And one day, he lost all of his possessions. And one day, he lost all of his property. And one day, he lost all of his children. And one day, he lost all of his health. And one day, everything that he knew to be solid and true in his life was gone. And where we end up here in chapter 16, we're going to read in just a second, where we end up is we have 15 chapters of Job's friends coming into his life to tell him what his problems are and why the bad stuff happened in his life. That's good to have friends, isn't it? It's good to have friends that show up when you're hurting. What's not good is when your friends think they know what God is doing in your life and they tell you that. See, Job's friends and Job were under the assumption that if bad things happen in your life, you've done something wrong. In fact, here's the way they would do this. Here's the way they would present it to Job. It's all your fault. Why are bad things happening in your life? All your fault. If you were innocent, this wouldn't be happening. If you were pure, this wouldn't be happening. If you just loved God enough, this wouldn't be happening. 
15 chapters of that. And I, can I tell you that with friends like that, you don't need enemies. And so today I want to talk about, I want you to hear from Job's own mouth where he is as he's struggling to understand what God's doing in his life and where God is in his life and how God is going to bring him out of this. And then he has these friends who consistently tell him it's all your fault. It's all your fault if you just repent, if you would just try harder, if you just be better. They actually say in chapter 15, it just blows me away. His supposed friend tells him this. He says, oh, Job, you are such a holy and righteous man, and you didn't, you didn't stop from telling people how God wanted to work in their life. And now that we're here to tell you, you don't want to listen. Basically, what he's saying is, your self-righteousness is overblown. Can't believe this. So I want you to hear from Job. Look in Job chapter 16, verse 1. Then Job answered, I have heard many such things. Sorry comforters are you all. Is there no limit to the windy words or what plagues you that you answer? I too could speak. I, could too, I too could speak like you if I were in your place. I could compose words against you and shake my head at you. I could strengthen you with my mouth and the solace of my lips could lessen your pain. But if I speak, my pain is not lessened. And if I hold back, what has left me? But now he has exhausted me. He has laid waste all my company. You have shriveled me up. It has become a witness and a leanness rises up against me. It testifies to my face. His anger has torn me and hunted me down. He has gnashed at me with his teeth. My adversary glares at me. And I want to be clear who he's talking about here. If you look in the scriptures, all of those pronouns are capitalized. And you know what that means, right? God. This is what Job is saying about God. That God is his enemy, that God is his adversary, that God has chased him down and humiliated him. They have gaped at me with their mouth. They have slapped me on the cheek with contempt. They have massed themselves against me. God hands me over to ruffians. Uh, notice who he's also speaking to is his friends. God has handed me over to you, ruffians, who slap me in the face with contempt Tossed me to the hands of the wicked. I was at ease, but he shattered me. He has grasped me by the neck and shaken me to pieces. He has also set me up as, as his target. His arrows surround me without mercy. He splits my kidneys open. He pours out my gall on the ground. He breaks through me with breach after breach. He runs at me like a warrior. I've sewed sackcloth over my skin and thrust my horn in the dust. My face is flushed from weeping and deep darkness is on my eyelids. Although there is no violence in my hands and my prayer is pure, O earth, do not cover my blood and let there be no resting place for my cry. Even now, behold, my witness is in heaven. My advocate is on high. My friends are scoffers. My eye weeps to God. Oh, that a man might plead with God as a man with his neighbor. For when a few years are past, I shall go the way of no return. Job's not in a good place, is he? Job's not in a good place because he's struggling with who God is and how God works and what God does in our life. But then also on top of that, he's struggling with very crummy counselors. He says that, right? Sorry comforters are you all. Well, the question that we need to ask about Job and we need to ask about ourselves is why do we seem to suffer too long in our troubles? 
Why do we seem to sink too far in our troubles? Well, I think the first is crummy counselors. We have bad people telling us bad things in our life. And so here's the thing you need to ask. How do I know if I have crummy counselors in my life? Well, let's look at what Job says. Is there no limit to the windy words that you speak? How do you know if you have a crummy counsel in your life? You're going to have someone that has, blows a lot of hot air at you. A crummy counselor is somebody who is full of hot air. Um, they repeat cliches at you, and basically what happens is they kick you while you're down. They're going to say something to you like this. Something happens in your life, or you're struggling, or you know, you've had some tragedy, and they'll say, well, listen, when God closes a door, he opens a window. What does that even mean? When God closes a door, he opens a window. How about this? They say something like this. And this, I just want to say this with all the um, comfort that I can. This is the most crazy thing to say to someone when they've lost someone. I hear it all the time. Well, God needed another angel in heaven. Can I just say, don't ever say that. God's created all the angels there ever will be. When we go to heaven, we don't become angels. We become transformed in the image of Jesus. But think about this. You don't understand how that just destroys people who are struggling when you walk up to them full of hot air, ready to just blow all your hot air on them and say, oh, you know, don't be sad and don't, you know, grieve over your loved one because God needed another angel in heaven. I'll be honest, I've wanted to lay hands on people without praying for them when they've said stuff like that. <laughs> or my favorite one. Oh, listen, dear one, I know you're struggling, but God will never give you any more than you can handle. God will never give you any more than you can handle. I think Job would have a problem with that. I think Job, if he were here today, would say, you know what? God has given me more than I can handle. The truth of Scripture is God will never give us more than he can handle. But there are a lot of times in our life, and you may be in that moment today where God, where there are things in your life that are way more than what you can handle. And you need to hear this. It's not too much for God. But here's how you know that you have a crummy counselor in your life when they just blow hot air at you. How about this? You know you have a crummy counselor in your life when they judge your words and actions too harshly. In Job chapter 6, verse 26, Job comes to his friends and he says, listen guys, I'm really hurting here and what you're doing is hurting me even more. You need to understand the things that I'm saying right now aren't really how I feel. In fact, here's what he says. Are you going to judge words that I cast to the wind? You know you have a crummy counselor in your life when they're more than willing to jump on you because that you don't repent the way they think that you should. You don't grieve the way that they think that you should. You don't deal with your issues the way that they think that you should. Listen, there are things that we say. There are things that we feel. There are things that we do in trauma, in tragedy, in sin that aren't really a good indicator of our relationship with God. I'll never forget when I was struggling so much with the loss of my parents and I was struggling and I, I just had a moment where I said out loud, I don't know if I want to be in ministry. 
I don't even know if I can continue to be a Christian. And I had someone blow me up. Who do you think you are? How dare you say that against God? How dare you question him? And I wasn't. I was just having a moment like Job where my life had crashed down around me and I was struggling and I was hurting and I just needed to get that junk out. I just needed to say it. I didn't mean it. I wasn't going to do it. I just needed to say it. You have a crummy counselor in your life when they judge you too harshly on your words and your actions, then they're always telling you you're not doing it right. Isn't it funny that they're the ones telling you and not God? You're not saying the right thing. You're not praying in the right way. You're not doing it right. How about we let people just do it and let God change their heart? You've got a crummy counselor in your life when they become angry or impatient with your struggles. They're angry and impatient with your struggles and they're constantly pushing you to get over it, to get on with it. And they'll say something like this. It sounds very spiritual, but it's really a slap in the face. You should just let it go and let God. Let go and let God. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, it's on bumper stickers and T-shirts and and crocheted on pillows. It must be true, right? Pushing you, pushing you, pushing you. And And that's what was happening with Job and his friends. If you go back and read these 15 chapters, here's what they're telling him. Get over it. It's just stuff. Just kids. I mean, just the fact that you're just riddled with all kinds of disease and boil. Get over it. Get over it. Look at what Job says. I love what he says here. Verse four. I too could speak like you if I were in your place. I could compose words against you and shake my head at you too. You got crummy counselors in your life when they stand on the sidelines of your life and point their finger at you and tell you, move on, let's go, hustle up. Or they angrily try to comfort you when you don't agree with them. You ever had that happen? Somebody gets angry at you and they come at you and begin to tell you, and this is what they did with Job. Listen, everything you're experiencing right now is your fault. Everything that's happening right now is because God's angry at you. Everything that's going on is because you're sinful and you need to repent. And if you'll just repent, God will take all this stuff away. And Job's like, I don't think that's the case. And they get angry and they just keep coming at him. And here's basically what happens when a person comes at you in that way, angrily trying to comfort you. Here's what they're saying. That's just the facts, Jack. And you can like it or lump it, but I'm just being honest. You ever had that happen? Somebody just being honest with you? You've got a crummy counselor when they're unwilling to empathize. When they're unwilling to empathize with you in your hurt and pain. These guys did not want to hear anything that Job had to say. Nothing. They didn't want to understand what he was going through. They didn't want to hear how this had blown him up. They didn't want to hear his questions that he wanted to ask. They didn't want to hear any of that stuff. And so here's the thing. They're not willing to listen to our hurt or pain. 
All they're willing to do is to tell you, move on. Get over it. Deal with it. You've got a crummy counselor in your life. In fact, when they're not willing to empathize with your hurt and pain, basically what they're saying is this, if you would just agree with me that you're wrong, I wouldn't have to judge you. We wouldn't have to have this conversation if you can just agree with me that you're wrong, right? And we're going to get into this in just a minute. One of the reasons we stay too long in our suffering is pain is because of bad theology. And I need you to hear this, and you're going to hear it again. Not every bad thing that happens in our life is because God is angry at us. Not everything that gets broken in our life is because God has picked us out and it's our turn and he's just going to dump it all on us. Sometimes we are truly innocent in the whole matter. And when someone won't even listen and they're just saying, listen, the only reason I'm judging you, the only reason I'm angry at you is because you won't agree with me is a problem. Now, with that being said, don't let someone else's mess keep you from the healing that God wants to have in your life. I think we stay too long in our struggles and we stay too long in our suffering. We stay too long in our sin because we have bad counselors. We have crummy counselors who tell us these things. And so we don't press forward in healing. We don't press forward for forgiveness. We don't press forward to get the help that we need because here's what we think. If this person who I think is a godly person, says this thing, then what must God think of me? If if this person that God has brought into my life to speak into my life is saying these things, if I go to God, what is he going to say to me? And so what happens is we we pull way shy of going to God. We pull way shy of, of going and sharing our hurt and pain because we're afraid if the people who love us or supposedly love us the most treat us this way, what is God going to do? Well, dear one, let me tell you what God's going to do. God's going to love you. God's going to be there for you. God's going to listen. God's going to give you mercy where you need mercy. God's going to give you forgiveness where you need forgiveness. He's going to give you transformation and restoration where you need that. One of the things that we need to hear and over and over again, here it is. God will never love us any more than he already does, and God will never love us any less than he already does. People will do that. People will love you more when you do what they want you to do. People will love you less when you don't act the way that they want you to act. But God is never that way. One of the hardest things that we deal with as Christians to be able to come and and work and talk to God and, and experience a relationship with God is unfortunately we have crummy counselors that we use as examples. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, well, I just never could trust God because my dad wasn't involved in my life. I never could trust God because my mom tore me down. And I just can't trust God because my spouse isn't there for me. I just can't trust God because people that I looked at that I thought, this is who God is like, let me down. So here's the joy. People will let us down, but God never will. We stay too long Because we let other people's mess, we let other people's opinions, we let other people's desires for our life keep us from healing. Now also, bad theology. What happens is from verse 6 to verse 22, Job just unloads some really bad theology. 
Now, again, a lot of this is coming out of hurt and pain, and a lot of this is coming out of struggle, but, but Job had the same fundamental understanding of who God is and how God works. The culture at that time just really believed that if you were blessed, if you had big houses and you had lots of money and you had a number of kids, that God evidently was blessing you. That God had his hand on you and that showed that he was blessing you. And if you didn't have those things, you were cursed. And God hated you and God was against you and that you had done something to offend God in such a mighty way that he was doing all that. And so you can imagine it was a shock to Job's theology and his understanding of God when in one day everything in his life was taken away. And he's searching through the rubble of his life trying to pick out the thing that he did wrong to deserve this. And here's the thing, he did nothing wrong. Nothing there was nothing that he did that God says, okay, you crossed the line and now I'm gonna destroy everything in your life. God allowed a trial. God allowed a test. Now, granted, it was awful and it was hard, but God allowed it. In fact, and this is very difficult for us and this may shatter your theology as well, the whole reason that Job was going through this test because, is because he followed God, because he loved God, because he served God. Satan came to God and said, listen, Job only loves you because you give him stuff. Job only loves you because you've blessed him more than anybody else and God says, no, that's not true. He's faithful and obedient. And if you take all that stuff away, he'll still love me. And Satan says, well, let's do that. And then the test begins, and here's the beautiful thing, and this is hard for us, but here's the beautiful thing. God set the parameters. God says you can go this far and no further. God says you can touch this, but nothing else. You can go here, but nothing else. And here's the beautiful thing. This test that came into Job's life, it just rocked his world. It rocked his theology, but it came through the loving and gracious hand of God. God knew when it was going to start. God knew when it was going to stop. God knew exactly what was going on through the middle of it. And God was there with him in all of it. And it rocked his world. I did nothing to deserve this. So listen to some of the things that Job talks about and his bad understanding of who God is. In verse six, he says, if I speak, my pain is not lessened. If I hold back, what has been left to me? But now God has exhausted me. You have laid waste to all my company. You have shriveled me up. It has become a witness and a leanness and it rises up against me. It testifies to my face. The first thing he says is this, God hates me, God is angry with me, and God is punishing me. If you've ever been in that place, and I have, where things go wrong and stuff is happening and you can't really figure out why, it's very easy to go to the first place to say that God hates me. God just doesn't love me. God's angry at me. God's punishing me. And the thing that snapped me out of that, and I hope the thing that will snap you out of that today is this. Why would God go through all the trouble to save you just to then turn back around and punish you? Why? I mean, if that's really who God is, 
And that's really how God interacts with us, that when we do something, he gets supremely angry and he hates us and he's against us and he wants to punish us. Why go through all the trouble of sending Jesus? Why go through all the trouble of allowing Christ to die for our sins? Why? If he's just gonna come back and throw it all in our face and punish us. Let me tell you why. It's bad theology. It's bad. God will never love you any more than he already does. God will never love you any less than he already does. God has punished Jesus for all of your sin, past, present, and future. There's nothing left for you to be punished for. Here's the reality. Bad things happen to people all the time. Sometimes it's consequences of things that we've done. Sometimes it's we are suffering the consequences of others' decisions. And sometimes it's because we live, a bro- in, a, live in a broken and fallen world. Do not rush to the conclusion that God is punishing you. Because here's the thing. Even when we sin, God doesn't punish us. He offers grace. Even in our sin, God says, if you confess your sin, I will forgive you. And I'll clean you. And I'll make you new. Here's some more bad theology that Job put out. God's anger has torn me, verse 9, and hunted me down. He has gnashed at me with his teeth. My adversary glares at me. Could you imagine seeing God that way? Is your adversary glaring at you through bared teeth like a wild animal? They have gaped at me with their mouth. They have slapped me on the cheek with contempt. They have masked themselves against me. God hands me over to ruffians and tosses me in the hands of the wicked. Here's some bad theology that Job had that maybe you and I have too. God just wants to humiliate me in front of everyone. See, here's the deal. We get into these places where we sin and we fall into that and we don't see a way out or we get into a struggle or a tragedy or trauma in our life and we just don't see any way out. And then all of a sudden, the sneaking little thought comes into our head that God is doing this to make us a laughing stock to everybody. We make God the playground bully. We've all had those people in our life that like to point out the deficiencies in our life and at the, right, at the wrong time and laugh, right? Look at them. Ha ha. Everybody, let's laugh. And so we put that quality on God and think God does the same thing. That the reason that bad things are happening to us is that God is putting us on center stage so that everybody can laugh. And that he sits in heaven and he just enjoys humiliating us. Nothing can be further from the truth. The reality is when we're struggling in these things and when people are laughing at us and mocking us and being crummy counselors to us, let me tell you how God feels about that. He hates it. God weeps with those who are hurting. God comes to have compassion on people in their brokenness. And you say, how do you know that? Well, I see Jesus do that. And remember, Whatever we see Jesus do is what God does. 
doesn't want to humiliate you. He doesn't want to put you on the spot. Verse 12, I was at ease, but he shattered me. He's grasped me by the neck and shaken me to pieces. He has set me up as his target. His arrows surround me without mercy. He splits my kidneys open. He pours out my gall on the ground. He breaks through me with breach after breach. He runs at me like a warrior. God has made me his target. Some really bad theology there. And it's easy to get in that place because we don't understand what other people are going through. We don't know all the things that they're dealing with. All we see is what they present to us on the outside. And I can't tell you how many times I've said or heard people say to me, you just don't know. Nobody struggles the way that I do. And I used to believe that until I started counseling. And I would sit across from people and they would begin to share their story. And I'm like, whoa. I didn't know you were going through that. But here's the hard thing. When we're struggling with these things and when we're going through these things, it's easy for us to say that that God just rolled the dice and it landed on us and now we just have to take it. We're his target and he's just gonna pick on us till he's done. Not true. Job says, I have sewn sackcloth over my skin, thrust my horn in the dust. My face is flushed from weeping and deep darkness is on my eyelids. Eyelids, although there is no violence in my hands and my prayer is pure. One of the worst parts of this, and all these things are bad theology and a bad way to understand who God is, but I think this is the worst. Here's what Job is saying. God has broken our deal. God's broken our deal. I've been good. I've been good. I I sacrificed and I obeyed and I did all the things that I'm supposed to do. I kept up my end of the bargain and when it came time, God broke our deal. I'm innocent. I've done nothing wrong. I don't deserve this. And I'm gonna tell you, if you get to that place, it's gonna make it very, very hard for you to go to God and ask for forgiveness and ask for help. And ask for mercy and grace and peace because here's the thing, you're gonna think God is the cause of it all. I did everything that I'm supposed to do. God, you didn't. Job said in verse 12, I was at ease, but he shattered me. I was at ease, my life was perfect. Everything was exactly the way that I wanted it. God, how dare you shatter me? How dare dare you change anything in my life? See, here's what's so dangerous. And it's just as dangerous as having crummy counselors in our life. It's dangerous when we have bad theology because when we have bad theology, it gives us excuses not to deal with what's going on in our life. You don't have to really look at it and say, God, what do I need to do and what do I need to learn and how do I need to grow? Is there something that you're wanting to say to me or is there something you want to show to me? Because here's the thing, God's doing it. It's not my fault. God's angry at me. God's just punishing me. God's just picking on me. And so we never have to deal with what's going on in our life. So how do we handle our struggles and help those who are struggling. Because that's really the point of this whole thing and what is happening in the life of Job. One of the things that's amazing as you read the book of Job is you come to find out 
that all of this, everything that was going on in Job's life was to teach him, his friends, and the devil a lesson. And in Job 42, what we find out is that Job gets to the end of this. And in Job uh, chapter 40 and 41, Job kind of takes God to task. He finally directs his anger and his questions at God. And he basically tells God, who are you? How dare you? And why? And God answers him. God says, Job, were you there when I poured out the oceans out of my hand? Were you there when I put all the stars in the sky? Were you there when I set the sun and moon in their course? Were you there when I created all these things? Do you understand how I allow the world to spin? Do you understand how you walk around on the earth? Do you understand any of that? And I love Job's response. No, I don't. But I know you. All of a sudden, Job said, you know, I'd heard about you. I thought I understood you, but now... But now that I see you at work in my life, but now I hear you respond to me, I need to take a step back. And God did something in Job's life that I want him to do for us. I want him to speak to us where we are. I want him to help us see that we don't really think, we don't really understand who he is and how awesome he is and what he's wanting to do in our life. And so we're pushing him away from the healing and the restoration that he wants to bring into our life. So we need to come to a place where when we can't trace God's hand, we must trust his character. Charles Spurgeon is a powerful preacher. He lived in the early 1900s and so many thousands of people would hear him preach every Sunday in London. And he said something one time that I thought was amazing and I I kept it. He says, when you can't trace God's hand, trust his heart. And I'm like, that's great. But I think what he's trying to say is when you can't trace God's hand, trust his character. You gotta know who God is and you gotta know what God does so that when bad things are happening in your life, you don't turn and say, God, this is all on you. You don't love me or you think I'm worthless and useless or you're trying to hurt me. That's when we can't trace his hand, it's time that we trust his character. And we never should confuse God's character with crummy counselors. We have taken as the gospel true things that broken and hurting people say to us and we will not listen to our creator and our father. I share this to myself and uh, other people on a regular basis. The only way that we're ever gonna have the strength that we need to walk out of the circumstances we're in is to truly believe what God says about us. We gotta listen to him before we listen to anyone else. And God says that we're unique, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are his prized possession, that we are his children, that we are his beloved, that we are holy and blameless and above reproach in Jesus' sight, that we have been fully and freely and finally forgiven, that we are his. We are his, and he loves us. We have to stop listening to the crummy counselors and we gotta stop attributing to the character of God the character of these people. God is not distant. God is not uncaring. God is willing to listen. God is willing to weep. God is willing to jump in the middle. He's willing to get involved. When we can't trace God's hand, we must trust his character. 
And part of that is having good theology in our life. And one of the things we need to remember is this. Because of who Christ is and what Christ has done, the door to the throne of grace is always open. Access to God the Father is always available. Jesus stands at the right hand of God. He lives to give intercession for us. Jesus is standing at the right hand of God praying for you right now. Praying for me right now. The Holy Spirit who lives inside of us takes all the hurt and the pain and the fear and the doubt, all the things that we can't deal with, and he takes all of that and he lifts it up to the Father. You gotta remember that. You are not alone. You're not abandoned. You're not without hope. The throne of grace is always open. So part of that means that we have to come to understand that this is how God feels about things and this is why Christ came to give us this example. And so how do we handle our struggles and how do we handle the struggles of others? We have to learn to lessen people's pain by our presence. Job's friends did the most wonderful thing that they could do when they first came. They sat down with him in the ashes of his life and they didn't say anything. They didn't say a word. They just sat. They sat to bring comfort. They sat to bring hope. They sat to say, we're with you. We need to get involved in the suffering of others. I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. Are you ready? The suffering and the sin and the struggle that somebody else is going through isn't a disease. You can't catch it. I think we stay back from people who are struggling because we're afraid it's gonna jump over to us. That it's gonna engulf us. That we're gonna catch whatever it is that they have. It's not a disease. Be willing to be sympathetic and comforting. I can't tell you how many times in scripture it says that we rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. We really like the rejoicing part, don't we? Oh, yeah, we, we can stand around and cheer and woohoo, it's great. But when somebody comes to us in their brokenness, we're like, ah, no, thanks. I only do rejoicing, I don't do weeping. We need to be sympathetic and comforting. And sometimes the best thing that you can do to be sympathetic and comforting is just listen. Just listen. Let them get all the hurt, all the pain, all the fear, all the doubt. Let them just say what they got to say. And don't open your mouth. One of the things that I've prayed for that God would work in my life is that I would come to a place where I would have the skill to know when to say something and know when to shut up. Because that's a skill, I'm going to tell you. Because there are times when people are talking and all of a sudden in my head, I've, I've got the answer. And if I can just share this wonderful nugget of truth with them, their life is going to open up and everything's going to be Skittles and rainbows again, right? When I start having that feeling, let me tell you what goes off in my head. Keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. I want to leave you with this. Friends don't let friends suffer alone. 
Friends don't let friends suffer alone. So if you're wondering why we're doing Celebrate Recovery, if you're wondering why we have counseling ministries here at the church, if you're wondering why we spend so much time talking about this, is because friends don't let friends suffer alone. So here it is. If you're suffering today, you're not alone. We love you. We're here to stand with you. We're here to walk through all this stuff with you. We're here to hear what you have to say and the hurt and pain that you have, and we're here to lead you to Jesus who will bring redemption and recovery. But you gotta make that choice. You gotta squelch all the noise in your head from the people who've told you terrible and awful things. And you gotta deal with the theology in your head that tells you, no, I I can't do this. God doesn't want me. You gotta believe who he is. So here's the offer today. If you're here and you're struggling, we're with you. If you're here and you're struggling and you don't wanna take your struggles back with you, if you wanna leave them here, you can cast all your care on Jesus because he cares for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of being able to stop and turn around. We thank you for the gift of being able to say we're sorry and ask for forgiveness. We thank you for the gift of recognizing that some of the things that may be happening in our life really has nothing to do with us. We're thankful for the gift that we can come to you and that you listen and that you weep and that you move and you do things in our life. We're thankful for the gift that we can be transformed from the inside out. So God, may we take that gift today and allow you to do what only you can do to make all things new in our life. That's our prayer. That's our hope. God, that's what we desire today. Help us to say yes. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Would you?